we're going to speak about Liberia initially, and then in a little bit we'll switch over to Albania, where we were in both locations. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray that we would bring honor and glory to you this morning as we talk, as we present what you did through us in our chance to, to be in these two locations, and that us uh, courage to speak forth what you saw. We saw, we saw you in Jesus' name, amen. Most of you know where Liberia is because we've talked about it before. You can see on the map that it's in the southwest corner of the lobe of Africa. And the next slide gives you a little bit better location. We were there for about eight days, and then we went on to, Liber to Albania from there, but we'll speak about Liberia first. Um, you'll see the next slide, please. Uh, most of you have met Dave and Lucy. They were here last uh, late last fall, early fall, I guess it was, whatever. And so you got to meet them. For those of you who have not seen them, that's who they are. That's who we stayed with in their home. And we uh, worked through them and, and at their instruction as to what they, they would like to see the team do. We had an extraordinarily gifted team this time. I think all teams are unique. This team is unique for having the ability to teach and to uh, bring messages that lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we're pleased for that. Uh, well, they'll each speak to you at some point. Next slide, please. This is a picture of Dave and Lucy's family. They have two daughters, uh, one son. They're all at home at this point because prior to this, they've been scattered various places in Africa. Uh, we arrived on a Friday evening in Liberia, and Saturday morning we got busy with a medical clinic at a uh, senior living facility. Surprisingly, there were children there as well. We did not bring medical supplies or medical treatment for children. We'll have to remember that in the future. You go to a foreign, uh, foreign place to minister, and, well, you, you get surprises. So the next surprise we had on Saturday was that we uh, were, got to do a second medical clinic there. There was a pastor at the first which went very well. We were, we were so thankful to be the hands and feet uh, to minister to those people. We got to pray for almost every one of them, I believe, and just felt God's love pour into them um, and so that they would know that they are meaningful to God, that he loves them. And for me, that was the primary thing in, in ministering and medically. Um, the second day was Sunday and Pastor Kent got to speak. You, you saw a little bit of the praise and worship at that church. Incredible. They know the same God we do. <laughs> it was incredible to be able to worship with them. Uh, so we got to do that on Sunday and you got to see a little bit of the beach. So we took our break first in the trip. Um, just a couple of hours at the beach. You, you don't want to go there though, because it's very choppy. You can't go in very far. I think Amy went in the furthest of us all and she's the most daring of us all. <laughs> Uh, then, then the rest of the week, we followed the same schedule. Monday through Friday, we ministered at two different schools. We started out, you saw in the video as well, uh, some of Amy doing the devotion at the, the school that's just down the road from Dave and Lucy's house. And uh, it, was, it, it was a blessing to get to minister to them in devotions. Jojo and I got to help with the memory verse on the armor of God. And that's so important. Uh, we forget because we can't see the spirit war that's going on. And um, sometimes even in our culture, it sounds a little fruity to say that. 
even. But we do. We, we have armor of God that's invisible for the invisible battle. Uh, over in Liberia, you can see more with your eyes um, of the spirit battle that's going on. So we felt very that that was so important to, to teach those, those kids as they were growing up. Following the devotion on Monday through Friday, um, many of our team members got to teach for one hour at the first school and then be bussed over to the second school to teach the same material to a second school. Um, we started out right after that devotion time every morning with uh, breaking up the boys and the girls. We taught seventh through ninth graders. And Jojo got the girls and Pastor Kent got the boys. They, they spoke to them on sexual purity, God's plan for, for sex and marriage. And, uh, everybody needs to, to learn those things. But in this culture, it's very, it's, it's important as well. They've been broken in, in a lot of ways. And that's one of them. Um, then I got to bring the boys and the girls back together and speak to them on our identity in Christ. Because God lives inside of us, how does that change things? Who are we because of that? Uh, so that was an incredible blessing to be able to do that. Amy was able to speak on the book of James. We are the church. This is how we live because we are God's people. Then um, Gary got to speak to both schools as well, just as we all did, uh, on goals aspirations. What has God called you to do? How do you hear his voice on that? How do you follow through? What does God want you to do in your life? Uh, so it, it was incredible. Um, I think my main testimony was watching God weave together the things that each of us had, had prepared to teach separately. I was in my study at my house. Jojo was at her house. We were all separate as we prepared to teach for for five days, an hour each day to seventh and ninth graders. Um, I've never taught seventh to ninth graders before. Um, but as we came together at each evening, as we, we went over the day, we were amazed every evening. We, we were amazed how different scriptures, different comments, different teachings built on the other. And that's only God that weaves together that kind of thing. It's only because of his love for those kids and that country, the future of that country, uh, who would who would weave together such a beautiful message. Um, so that was an extraordinary thing to see. So do I have another slide? Okay, it's JoJo's turn. So here's the group of girls that I got to teach. I got to teach the girls. Pastor Kent got the boys. And if he were here, I would tease him greatly because I got the gems. And he got the trying boys. And I'm telling you, they tried him with questions. So he was perfect for being there with them. But um, so I got to teach these girls on, on, on sexual purity. And you might ask why. And, um, well, we know that sex is God's idea. And if we do it his way, it's a covenant agreement, uh, the, the marriage covenant between a man and a woman and God. And if, if we enter into that agreement um, and do use the gift of sex the way that he intended, then he can bless us greatly. So the the whole um, objective of my teaching, that was just a part. Really, we are, um, our, our goal as, as a Christ follower is to become pure and to become like Christ in all areas of our lives. 
And so I got the opportunity to teach these girls. And I want to tell you what stood out to me. Uh, what stood out to me was these girls as students. Uh, first of all, they had a desire to learn. Every one of these girls and young boys that we got to teach um, knew that education was the key uh, to getting them out of their uh, really dire circumstances. So they have a deep desire to learn. Um, they, it was a privilege, um, the second thing that stood out to me. The kids at these schools, these were both Christian schools, and so they pay a tuition to go to these schools. So they make sacrifices to get their kids into a Christ-based school, and it's a privilege to be there, and these kids act like it's a privilege to be there. It, they, they're not made to be there. They want to be there. They're very disciplined. They're self-disciplined. Uh, they, they want to learn, and uh, very different from in our country, they're allowed to discipline them as teachers there, too. They use the switch. And, uh, and it works. They, they nudge them and wake them up when it's hot and they're getting sleepy. Very, very different than, than our, in our country. And I think the very last thing um, is that their excitement to learn was contagious. They, these girls, when I would present some biblical truth, which they've not heard much of, um, they would get excited. They would start clapping and shouting amen. And I am telling you, that was the most encouraging thing about being a teacher there. So I can relate when our pastor is up here and we're all sitting here like bumps on a log, how very discouraging that is. So shout some amens and start clapping because it's encouraging. So that is what stood out to me. The, the next picture is a young lady that was one of those leaders. She was one of those exciting girls, uh, in the class that, that was, that began this excitement. Uh, her name was Jojo as well, so I got a picture with her. Uh, but she was a leader. She would help explain things. If I didn't think they were understanding, and it was usually pretty apparent that they were understanding, she, she spoke really well, good English, even though they have a tiny little di bit different dialect. And she would nod her head, oh yeah, they're getting it. They're getting it. So she was uh, encouraging to me. And the last picture, one of the lessons that we ended on was the parable of the pearl of great price. And uh, we talked about how Jesus is our pearl of great price. And we must sacrifice our wants and our desires in order to gain him. He is worth the cost. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to back up just a little bit because one of the main things I realized is a lot of people, when they go on mission trips, they don't want to go right away because you hear there's a 20-hour flight or so, right? And so I get on the flight, and I got to sit next to my dad to start off with, uh, which some of you might think is a good idea, um, but my dad is kind of a large man. And so for 13 hours, he would lift up like the armchair of the airplane seat and like be in my area, just like snoring on me. And so we get on the final flight to Africa and I get a different seat and my dad turns around and he's got, he's like, I've got an open one by me. And I was like, I think I'm going to pass. And so 
I'm, I'm sitting alone by myself, and this guy, um, he was um, a Hindu, and he comes up and he sits by me, and his name was Tony. And so I've got nine hours with Tony on this flight. So we start talking, and he's just this incredible person. I find out he's a doctor from uh, New York, and he works with uh, Doctors Without Borders. And so he starts talking, but he goes back to how he's a Hindu and how he was raised this way. Um, but needless to say, by the end of it, Tony and I were talking about God. We were talking about how he was like, you know, in, in Hindu, I, I find that there's so many different gods. And I was like, well, you know, Tony, you know, there's only one real God. And so we got to speaking on that. And we just had a good time. Like my dad would turn around and we'd be laughing. And, and Tony looks at me and he goes, I think I'm freaking your dad out because you're a very pretty girl and I'm a strange man sitting next to you. And I was like, Tony, you should play off of this. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know. What, what would you do in your culture? And he was like, well, I would walk up to your dad and say, I would give you a thousand cows for your daughter. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. He was like, but you you are tall, so that's an extra 500. And I was like, okay, keep them coming. And he's like, and you're beautiful, so 2,000. And before we got off the plane, Tony walks up to my dad. He goes, I'll give you 2,000 cows for her. And I was like, yes. And so, um, you know, needless to say, what I've learned throughout this mission trip is it is about building relationships. Um, just going to Africa, this first picture I have, uh, this is Elijah, which most of you guys know the people if you've been over there. The really cool thing is they are interweaved with our church. As soon as we got there, they're like, where's Landon? Where's Lucas? Where's all these people? And it's just like, they're our church family, guys. And if, if you have the opportunity to go over there, they will love you. They will treat you like family. And so this particular picture, though, um, Elijah and I were going for a walk, and Maranatha was with us, and we were just walking up the road. And so we were walking past the school, and he points out this small tool shed, and he says, over there, there's, there's a very rich man, and he's building a house. And so Maranatha and I, we don't think too much of it. We're just like, okay, that's cool. And so we, we walk probably just a little less than a mile, and we round back to by, uh, where the school was, and, and Tony says, that's my house. Or I said Tony, uh, but Elijah says, that's my house. And, and Maranatha and I just look at each other, and we're like, Where? And he goes, the, the shed, you know, I, I sleep on the construction equipment. And this is the instructor, I guess you could say the principal of our school over there. And, you know, just one thing I've been open to, and just as Tony and Elijah both taught me, is missions isn't just about going somewhere and teaching other people something. It's about really stepping outside of yourself, uh, stepping outside of your own comforts and, and what you think is like the proper way to live life and saying, you know, as, as Tony and I were joking the rest of the day, um, I had this peanut butter on my plate and I was hungry because we had not eaten at all that day. It was after we just got, so I woke up at 7.30, did devotion. I was in a hurry, so I didn't eat that morning. And then uh, we went to two different schools, and then I, I would almost teach three or four times a day, and I got home, and I was hungry, let me tell you. And so I had found some peanut butter, and I put it on a plate, and I was just eating straight peanut butter, but I had to go to the restroom, and I walked back, and my peanut butter is gone. And I'm like, okay, who took my peanut butter? Like, this would be small in America, but I was like, I am going to kill somebody. Like, who took my peanut butter? And I guess someone had put Elijah up to it. So he starts getting scared. He's like, I'm sorry, miss, I took your peanut butter. And so, 
But, but over the laughs of the story, we figured out, you know, Elijah had never had peanut butter, but let alone that, he would say, you better eat all of that because, you know, we don't know when we're going to eat. You know, we might, we might get a plate of rice a day. Uh, we, we might get just a little something. And he would talk about how he would maybe go every other day and just get a small portion of rice to live on. And so really just to open up your eyes and say, um, one thing Tony taught me why I started off with that story is even though he didn't believe in God, he had this idea of what loving people looked like. And he was like, even though I have so much in America as a doctor, I hang these pictures up of people uh, that I work on in procedures so I can step back and I can say, my life may look good right now, but really what am I pursuing? You know, how am I helping people? How am I making a difference? And so that's what I want to leave with you guys from Africa is just, you know, what can you do with where you're at? How can you say, this is my passion, this is what I'm called to, but how can you make a difference? And so I'm going to turn it over to, is it Paula? I was given the job, basically. Lucy said, what I'd like you to do is come over and inspire and encourage the women who are learning to sew and are taking the, uh, oh, can't think of the right word now, the, the classes, though, that would help them to be more economically uh, valuable to their family, help in supporting them and all. And I thought, I have not worked in, I, I haven't walked in their shoes. How do I encourage somebody? I know how I would encourage somebody here to pursue the talents and skills that the Lord has given them. But what, how, what do I say to them? Well, God took care of it. I got there. And Lucy had had a girl come up who was the first one to finish all of the sewing uh, classes. And she had a chance to be out. And she mentioned the fact, in, and so she was the one that talked to the women at the very beginning and uh, told them how important it was. And she talked about her husband, who said, what do you have to go to school for? You know, you can stay here, kids are here. And she said, who else is going to help you put food on the table? And the women just clapped their hands and everything because she had hit it on the nose. They want more. And the opportunities are slim. And it's not just the things that they want more of. Like Amy said, if they get two meals a day, they are well fed. Everybody doesn't have that. And um, so we were there, and uh, I had taken over fabric scraps and put a project together to make a little flowers, fabric flowers, and had instructions and showed them how to do that. JoJo had fabrics and showed them about making headbands. And so what we have is one single woman uh, here who was uh, making a headband. But there were men in the class because they have tailors. There was a man that made these outfits that we, are, we have on. And, uh, but it's very much, Lucy gets someone, she, can, 
she'll find someone. Some of them are learning to be hairdressers. Some are getting more involved in cooking skills. Some of them are growing in just whatever areas she can find another person that will help them be able to uh, succeed more economically to live a better life. And then this is a picture of the school. Try and collect books all year, thrift shows, hit Barton County Libraries, book fairs and sales, and schools donate books. Some of you have donated books. This is a combination of text and just reading books because they they get the facts and figures, but they don't have the resources to read books. They probably never thought, sit down and read a book. They don't have spare time like we do. I mean, when you're cooking over an open fire and you buy your food each day, you know the difference between picking up. I love the packages of sweet kale salad picking up a package of sweet kale salad, dump it in a bowl, all of the goodies are there you put in it, the dressing, all you have to do is mix it up. But if you go buy your lettuce, you buy your carrots, you've got your tomatoes, what, whatever is out there, you've got to prepare it, and that is time consuming. And so to read just a book is, that's where your knowledge is expanded, your world is expanded, your vocabulary is expanded. And so this just gives them more opportunities. And that's what we try to do, bring them the Lord and more opportunities. One of the things you've heard is developing relationships I had a unique experience the first morning that we were there. We were working at the uh, medical clinic we did, and there was a young lady who was there. I noticed she was paying a lot of attention to what was being done, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if she's interested in becoming a nurse. So I went over and, and sat down and talked to her a while and explained what process we were using, and I said to, I said to her, what do you want to do? She was uh, like a sophomore or junior in high school. And I said, you know the Lord? Oh, yes, I know him very well. Thank you. And I said, what do you want to do with your life? And she said, she told me what it was. And being not hearing very well sometimes, I thought, I don't think I heard that right. So I asked her a second time, what is it you want to do? What, what, what's going to be your purpose in life? She told me again. And I was even more doubtful, but I heard her right. So I asked her a third time. And she told me, and that time I got it. She wanted to be a diesel mechanic. Uh-huh, what? That's what I thought, too. What? A diesel mechanic. I couldn't imagine a young lady that was as attractive as she was being a diesel mechanic. So I, I, I thought, you know, that's kind of where we're at. I never saw her again. I probably will not see her again. But I told her, you, if you that's really what you want to do, and that's what God has called you to do, you will become a diesel mechanic. And it's not easy because they don't have schools to, to teach you how. It costs money if they go to university to learn that. But I said, if that's what God's calling is for you, it'll happen. 
I said, why do you want to? Why do you want to be a diesel mechanic? She said, because I want to help my family be able to be supported better than they are now. I think that's the crux of the issue in in Liberia is that they have so much to, that that needs to be done and so little to do it with. Uh, we'll go ahead and switch over to Albania now, and we'll show you a short video over there. Uh, I think I counted up. There have been 40 different people who have been there on at different times over the years, so you have an idea of what the ministry is like there. Uh, a comment was made. I think Jojo mentioned that going to Albania is like going to a relief site. It was a relief for us to get there. We are so busy in, in, in Liberia, and, and uh, the environment is, is a little more difficult. When you get a chance to go to Albania, it's like going home. So we had a great time. I'm going to ask uh, Maranatha now to come. Okay. Okay, yes, that is Elvis and Beta. And there are three children who are growing. Some of you who have gone, they weren't quite that big when you went before. I, I, some of you received a letter from me that had, have been there. I mentioned the fact that, that Elvis and Beta needed a new vehicle, a different vehicle. The one they'd had is just flat wore out. Anybody that was there recently would recognize that. So I told her that I would help raise the funds to buy a better vehicle, one that was more dependable. So that's the one that they vehicle they bought. It came out of Germany. It's a uh, front wheel assist. It's a, a Benz, uh, Mercedes-Benz vehicle, and I'm thinking it'll be a lot better for their use. The With the expansion of the church that you saw the picture of in this video, they are going to be able to use it, I think, a lot to carry kids around, take them to events in locations that they weren't able to do that before. So anyway, if you're interested in helping to, to generate the funds for that purchasing that vehicle, make a check out to Oakton Church and write Beta's vehicle in the memo, and that will go to that. Thank you. This is a picture, in case you haven't seen it, of their church there, Elvis and Beta's church. Um, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and many of you have given to that as well. Um, the, the wonderful thing about it, I don't know if you remember seeing in the, in the video where we're way up high on the mountain and we're praying. Um, it was good. Um, the, that whole valley, did you see the span of the valley? And there's another good picture of, of that entire valley and, and the different villages that just sort of sprinkle that valley. That is all an area that Elvis and Beta are uh, responsible for. They're, they're the missionaries there. We are just there to hold up their arms. Um, and they go, they have a schedule worked out to where they go to those different villages one by one. They have different, a children's program here on such a day at a certain time, a, a young man's coffee here at a certain time in the day of the week. Um, and those people in those villages know where it is and they uh, it's it's a very good schedule. So we got to be a part of that as throughout the week, going different places, doing different things. But um, Elvis and Beta are, um, I'm so glad that we support them so that they can entirely devote themselves without having to get employment elsewhere, um, that we can, they can entirely devote themselves to spreading the gospel and raising those kids up 
Um, the, the wonderful thing is that while we were there, there's some of the kids, we um, taught them again on the armor of God. They're doing their memory verse right there. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Um, so it was, it was a wonderful thing to be able to do. But an exciting thing also was that we got to do an adult service in the church. Now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because of their background. Um, there's so much tradition, um, religion, um, things like that, that they, they've been stuck in for so many years um, that it's, it's difficult for the older uh, generations to, to change, change their mind on things. So that's why Elvis and Beta, Gary and Paula have uh, chosen to start growing those children up. Can we see the next slide, please? Here's, here's one village fog that we got to minister at. Um, those, we're giving them reading glasses. These two are teachers in a school where they have, what, a dozen kids, maybe? They have 20? Okay. The boys were in the back playing, so I didn't put that together. But yes, um, we got to give them reading glasses and New Testaments to read. So we did different things in different villages. Um, and it was just wonderful to come alongside them and, and hold their hands up in, in the difficult ministry that they have. So God calls us to love him and to love people. And uh, Amy talked about building relationship in Liberia. In Albania, the ministry is so, so different. And as Gary said, it was, it was a good, uh, very different kind of ministry going on in Albania. Gary and Paula have been there for more than 20 years, and it is very, very slow. Gary will say that the Christianity in Liberia is an inch, uh, excuse me, a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And it's quite the opposite in Albania. The ministry is very, very slow, which is why um, they've targeted the children. But what is so exciting for those of you who have been there is that these children are now becoming adults and I met Miri, the one you see in the picture here, two years ago when I was in Albania and got to know him. He grew up with Beta and Elvis in the mountains, strong young man in the Lord. And now he is full-time employed in the military in Tirana. And you saw um, Beta's brother, Altine, he is the pastor of the church in Tirana. And when we were at the young adult service on the Sunday night there, it just blessed me to see Mary there. And Mary was servant, a servant in the church there. He was in charge of serving refreshments afterwards for the young adults in their hangout room. Becoming a servant leader in the church, that's Mary. He grew up as a kid with Beta and Elvis. The next one is Clavicia. Um, I only got to know Clavicia this time, but Gary and Paula have known her since she was a child. And she grew up in the mountains with Beta and Elvis going to their Bible meetings. And um, she now is a young lady engaged to be married. She hung out with us most of the time while we were up in the mountains going along with Beta and Elvis. And when we had that adult service, she was the one that was serving refreshments and greeting. So she was also becoming a servant leader with Beta and Elvis, and we encouraged them, use her more. Um, and the next picture, uh, another girl that I began to get to know two years ago, um, 
Sabiana, I couldn't say her name. I had to look at my notes. Sabiana. Um, Sabiana is at a school in Chen Marie up on, on the mountains. And last, uh, two years ago when I met her, I, I met her because she spoke good English. And they speak a different language in Albania. So that makes it very difficult to minister. It makes it difficult to visit. But uh, Sabiana knew English well. And so um, I got to talk with her quite a lot. Asked her if she had, if she knew Jesus as her Savior. Sweet, sweet girl. Very, very much assured that she knew Jesus as her Savior. We talked some two years ago. But this year, when I saw her, um, she immediately knew who I was. She asked about Lauren. She, uh, other people that were not with us that she knew. Um, she, she knows us. We're like family to her. And so we had another great conversation. Even she speaks her be- English is even better now. And she had uh, definitely, I was asking her about her relationship with Jesus, solid rock, rock on. And I mean, she, it, she has some plans. Um, because she knows her English very well, she wants to do something uh, with that English speaking capabilities, uh, maybe teach or, or, or something. So seventh or eighth grade girl, but um, she reached out to me later. She wanted to friend me on Facebook. She already has messaged me and talked with me. So it's all about these relationships that we build uh, with the people there. Beta and Elvis are the others. Uh, and I think just as importantly as us building relationship with these individual people who know that we care and know that we love them, um, Beta and Elvis need the encouragement. They need your prayers. They need our support. They need to have their hands and their arms lifted at times because they get discouraged. They don't see progress like we do when we go once a year. Um, they need encouragement. And so we are there to be uh, their source of encouragement. And, and they're our family. And um, I, that's what stood out to me in uh, Albania. So in Albania, uh, if you guys have ever been before, we started out in Tirana this time, like you've heard. And in Tirana, that's kind of the city of Albania. So once you get out of Tirana, you're just in the mountains the whole time. And so our trip so far was just kind of rushing, 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 and it was so fast. And then once you get to Albania, it's like, like I can hear myself thinking. like <laughs> It's so slow. And um, so we show up in Tirana, and I just want to talk about a couple things there. Um, so for starters, when we got to uh, I believe it was Altine's church. It was a late night service. We previously went to a service that morning. And I had met a young girl there. Her name was Cassandra. And during that service, I began to speak with her after. And something I had noticed after uh, going to Albania once before is there's a lot of talent in Altine's church today phenomenally talented young people who are just extremely gifted. And so I started talking with Cassandra, and she was a worship leader. And you could see how some societies, it's, it's kind of a performance-based. And she was like, you know, I just want so much more from worship. You know, like, I, I want my relationship with God to grow. And you could just see that she was having this fire uh, within her, which was really encouraging. Uh, But something else I noticed in Tirana is, if you've never been there before, it's a culture that is kind of revolved around shame. And so as you guys saw pictures of the Jonathan Center there, um, what that is, is it's Altine's sister started this place, and it's for kids who have Down syndrome. And 
Uh, you know, so much more than the center, Altine was talking about how she had actually changed three laws in Albania. In other words, uh, people with Down syndrome, they couldn't get jobs. Uh, they, they couldn't just function as a normal human being. And so we, we go to the Jonathan Center, and you just see this come to life, how they're working in the coffee shops. And so if you wondered what was going on there, it's, it's like they're actually developing a life. But this idea of shame is, uh, she was talking and she said, I finally had the courage to walk outside with my son. Like, can you imagine that? She had never left her house just because her son had Down syndrome. And she said, as she began to do that, people would come up to her and say, thanks to you, I have the courage to walk outside with my, my son or daughter. And it's just such a different concept, this, this idea that uh, just shame. And, and I think it's something that's very prevalent in America, too. We just have different ideas of it. And so that's the first thing I noticed when I was in Tirana. And I got to hang out with CJ, if you've ever been there before. CJ is still around. She's just in Tirana now. And so we would always go hang out at nighttime and go to the coffee shops as a group. And so it was, it was just a good time. But once we got to the mountains, um, Beta is like my mom. Uh, I got three moms in this world, my mom, Jennifer, and Beta. Um, so th they've claimed the role so far. And so I, I get there, and Beta is just, they're a family, like I said before. Anywhere you go on a, an Oakton missions trip, don't worry about fear, because once you get there, it's just there's so much love. And so the one thing that's different that you might not have noticed, and you've kind of heard it before, is they don't speak English. And so I'm trying to figure out, with all this spare time we have, you know, we're doing ministering throughout the day, but how can I really develop people? And so um, I just got a funny story, so you all will uh, wake up if you're, if you're still awake here. I know I get really slow when a lot of people are talking. But uh, so we were walking in the mountains one day, and... Um, I, I see this goat from a distance, and I've been trying to take a picture of a goat the whole trip. I don't know why, um, but I was just very determined. So I climb up this mountain, and I'm doing great, but the one catch was I wore Adidas slides the whole trip. And you're like, why would you do that? Well, my feet swell up on airplanes, so I literally couldn't put my shoes on anymore. And so I'm wearing these Adidas slides wherever I go. So I scale this mountain, I've got some little slides on, and I get the picture of the goat. And you should see the pictures on Facebook the goat literally drops his mouth because I just like clocked down the mountain like it was a straight mudslide like I'm not talking like a little bit of mud like I got up and I was wearing a pink sweater it was brown like Veda was like is that goat poop or dirt and I was like I don't know <laughs> just take a smell so so I, I, I ran up to her clothesline and changed clothes so that's how it works in Albania and so the goat's on the bulletin board yes you should check out his face and so after that, though, what I noticed is it got the kids' reaction. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get a small group of followers. And so at first, they would just come up behind me, and they'd be like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, I'm the go girl. That's right. And so we, we finally developed a little, little bit, and it was like cat noises. And, and uh, like I said, Al uh, in Albania, Beta is my mom, so she's got three kids. And so Mateo is the oldest. I met him before. She's got Henry and Olivia. Now, Olivia was a baby last time, but now she's five, and I'm trying to come up to her, and I was like, I held you as a baby, and now I realize how creepy that is. Um, but she was so scared, and so over the, the time where I fell down the mountain, I somehow earned their trust. I don't know how it worked, but they're, they're like, she's a fool, so I was, I was in. Um, and so I start working with these kids, and by the end of the week, 
Mateo was almost speaking perfect English. And like, I, I was like doing awesome at Albanian. I was like, hey, mountain Mali, I got this. And so, um, but really just the idea that loving these kids, like it's something that they don't experience, you know, coming from a culture of shame and just showing them the love of God. Uh, it's it's life changing. And I, I was like almost in tears as I was leaving, which is really rare for me because um, I don't cry too much. But I had just attached to these kids so much. They would follow me wherever I would go, even if they were just meowing or making goat noises. Um, but it was it was really relationships that I look forward to going back and to just hearing how they've developed. And just, you know, I, I believe as a as a follower, you know, when we get the kids into church at a young age and we start developing them, that's how they get that firm foundation in Christ. And so building relationships, that's the key uh, to changing Albania and just these different places we're going to. So I just want to end by saying thank you for anyone who supported me and just prayers throughout our journey. I know I definitely appreciated it. And this is never enough time. So I know you're probably overwhelmed by the amount of information you're getting, but I got stories on stories. So if you want to know more, I've, I've got even funnier ones, but I'll turn it over Apollo. As someone else mentioned, we were on this mountain and our whole purpose of being up there was to pray. Uh, pray for the area from this mountain. You can see the villages on the side, the villages below. It's called the Shin George Valley area. Shin means saint. There's Shin Marie. You probably got that one. Saint Mary, Shin Jin, Saint John. St. George. I don't know about St. George. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and we wanted to, in particular, pray. Because years ago, some of you have heard this and some of you have not. But Gary had a vision. The Lord showed him there was a strong man over Albania. He had one foot on the Adriatic Sea between Italy and Albania, and the other foot on the mountains of Albania. And we'd been going over and over and over, and it gets discouraging. And uh, even had talked about maybe this might be the last trip. and But we decided, no, we've got to keep going, because as they've also mentioned, it's the relationships. And God basically said, you just keep chopping away at the leg of that giant, that stronghold there, and it will fall down. And so we all have a calling. Next slide, please. Um, It will show Joel and Carson who go over. Those boys, they started in the children's group. Now they are, have, they have and are going to have children of their own. And in the church that you've seen that now exists over that St. George Valley area, they can bring and will bring whole families. It's growing. We're, we're seeing results now. Over 20 years, but there's results. And it's a drop in the bucket. And the way it gets to be more than a drop in the bucket is for everybody here to take a part. And you have been. And we, we just praise the Lord for that. And we can feel the prayers whenever we are over there. 
I want to share two verses from the fourth chapter of Colossians. And Paul is writing, it's at the very end, and he says, Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So Laodicea was a church that existed, but we know in relations, uh, revelations, (laughs) that uh, God said, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're neither hot or cold, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And now to this day, they don't know for sure where Laodicea was. It was a church, but it no longer exists in any way, shape, or form. And so all of these churches, all of the missionaries that Oakton supports um, and other organizations that you know about and you support, they need prayer. Prayer is so much stronger, and we all have a calling. If it's not to go, it's to give. If if you can give, give. Even if you can only pray, pray is the overlooked, most important, probably, part of the Christian life. And so I just ask you all, don't just pray for the missions when you hear Oakton is giving to Mozambique or to Myanmar where we have the Overstreet family or when we go on mission trips. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. And the strongholds around the world will come tumbling down. The uh, villages that you see around here are part of the St. George region. And if you, this is from the hill we were at praying. If you looked around to the left, you would see a panorama. You would see villages on your left, the ones you see in the picture, and it goes around to the right. This is a huge area. We're always recruiting people to do mission trips. Some of you probably are tired of me asking you, uh, but that's fine because whenever I ask, I know I'm one step closer to getting you to go. Okay? A lot of people have said no for several years, and all of a sudden they say, I think it's time for me to go. So be aware that we will be taking trips to Liberia again next this coming year and to uh, also to Albania. So you are welcome to go. You don't have to be a rock star to be a team member. You have to have a heart for the Lord and for people. So I encourage you to do that. I thank you for the support that we've had from this church. Been awesome, um, and uh, we've we've. I think the Lord has used us mightily to do some things that needed to be done for His kingdom. So we thank you for that, Father. We worship you. We give ourselves to you, Father. We know that your Word says that you sent your Spirit to lead us into all truth. That He would be the Advocate, the one who came alongside and empowered us and and enabled us to become what we could not be on our own. So, Father, we just thank you for your spirit. Father, we just thank you for how you're working in our lives already, and we thank you for the work that you're going to do. But, Lord, we especially just ask you, please make 
make your presence real to us in our daily lives. Lord, that we would realize that we are on mission at all points in time. We are your ambassadors. We represent you to the world. So, Father, I just ask you, please just help us to become more and more aware of it, not just because it's being said in a prayer, but because it's being being brought to life in us by your Spirit. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.